Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Carlos Whitaker with some unique thoughts on the biblical priorities of loving God and loving people. I mean, I'm just going to leave that to God because I can't do that. There's no strength inside of me that is going to be able to love somebody that feels like they're attacking the very existence and fabric of everything I believed in. And I got good news for you. You don't have to do it. You allow Christ through you to love them. Carlos Whitaker, next. Recognizing we live in a world where people feel increasingly disconnected from each other and from God, author, speaker, and storyteller Carlos Whitaker has written what he hopes is an antidote. His book is titled, How to Human, Nine Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. Here's Kimberly Birchall. Carlos, when I first talked to our program director about interviewing you on your new book, I didn't give him the subtitle. I just said it's called How to Human. And he looked at me and said, what does that mean? So for all of our listeners who may not know what that means, what does that mean? Without the subtitle, you would wonder, hmm, what does that really mean? How to human. I'm using human as a verb in the context of the statement, right? So not a noun, but a verb. Meaning that I believe that every human being was created in the image of God. I believe that every human being out there, everyone, the ones that follow him and the ones that don't, we were all still created in his image. I look at Jesus as the guide on this how to human. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so there's a lot of books written about the divinity of Jesus. I am not Kimberly smart enough to write those books, but I am, I feel like human enough to look at his humanity and say, you know what? I believe this, and I believe that we can actually try our hardest to walk as Jesus walked. So Jesus is the the guide on our journey of how to human. So I'm using human as a verb, and that is the goal, that everybody walks as Jesus walked. You say that humanity needs a recalibration, and I'm mm. assuming that means Christ followers also. What do you mean by yes. that? You know, as I speak to the audiences that I speak to, the Lord has graciously allowed me to be able to speak to both followers of Jesus and people that don't follow Jesus. And so I'm able to have a pretty wide net as somebody that is a fully devoted follower of Christ. I do feel like this message greets people in those two different spaces completely different, right? So like, as I talk to someone that is not a follower of Jesus about how to human, I feel like they can only get so far in in what it truly means, because I don't believe that without the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can truly walk this out because how impossible has the last few years felt, right? For all of us to like navigate all of these incredibly tension-filled conversations over Thanksgiving dinner and all of these things. There's no strength in us that we can do this. But for a Christ follower, on the other hand, now we have understandably the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us in this how-to-human context. So I, I feel like the calling is even greater for Christians. The calling is even greater for followers of Christ to take the idea of recalibration 
of like, you know what, let's admit something. Let's admit that none of us on planet Earth have ever been, that are alive right now, have ever been together collectively through a global pandemic together. So we are all collectively traumatized as a global population. So let's go ahead and put like place that as like item number one, your honor, is we don't know what we're doing. This, this has kind of knocked us off course. And then because of that, we started to see the things everything we just felt a, li a little bit more raw afterwards right like it felt like like what happened in 2020 just kind of ripped the band-aid off of a, a not healed wound and everything we're flinching and we're touchy and everything is hard to navigate and so because of that i feel like there is a recalibration that needs to happen nothing massive nothing big we're not too far removed from where we were pre-pandemic but i just think that if we can all come to a admitting stance that you know what Maybe, Lord, I do need to adjust some things in my heart. Maybe I do need to adjust some ways in which I look at people. And maybe I've started pointing fingers in ways that you would not want me to tell somebody how wrong they are, but instead tell somebody how much they are loved by you. Maybe we just need a little recalibration, which is why I use that term in the book, recalibration. I don't think we need a reset. I just think we need a reminder and a recalibration of who we are in Christ. Uh, and that's going to help us do this human thing better. How to Human has three sections, B, C, and Free. Yeah. I'm going to pick one chapter out of each section, and we'll kind okay. of look at that a bit and talk about that right. a bit. Talk to us about be love. Well, if we look at what we're called to do and who we're called to be as followers of Christ, let's just, let's just name the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The very first one that we say is what? Is love. The very first one, I divided the book again into three, be human, see humans, and free humans. The be human piece, this is absolutely impossible to love somebody else as Christ loves them unless we first understand how much Christ loves us. And there's, there's been such uh, reactionary stances from followers of Christ the last few years, because I mean, let's be honest, like there's been hard things that, that have come up. There's been, you know, I, I, the, the fabric of Christendom is kind of under attack in a more visible way than maybe we've ever seen before. And so it's going to be harder for us to display love to those that we may view as the enemy. Right. And so let's rewind back to us first before we get to them. Be love. How can we be love unless we first understand how much Christ loves us? It is so essential for us as Christians to understand and to be able to have some self-realization when we begin to believe lies about who we are, as opposed to the truth of who we are. And I tell people all the time, whenever we're reactive to say it's a family member or we see a Facebook post from somebody that we once admired that suddenly believe, you know, no, they've always believed it, but now we just know what they believe about something that we vehemently disagree with. It is hard for us to immediately display love. It is, it is almost impossible, but it's not once we, once we understand that those same reactions that we have to people that we vehemently disagree with that are hurting us or whatever is the same thing that God could quite possibly feel towards us if he wasn't God, because we're doing that to him every day. Like every day he's scrolling like our Facebook lives, right? Not, I mean, obviously this is not theologically correct. So please, theology, please don't come after me. But just imagine like he's watching us live every day and he's probably like, can you believe what Carlos thought about that person? I can't believe that. But guess what? That's not what he does. He comes 
rushing towards us with love in spite of who we are, in spite of our faults, in spite of the, the times that we mess up. He comes sprinting to us. When we understand our humanity is basically the same thing to God as as other people's humanity is to us, but the way he reacts to us in love. That's there's the, there's the teaching point. There it is. Be loved. So how does he react to us? We are called to react to others in the same way. And I know I know what some listeners may be thinking. Carl, that that is. I mean, I'm just going to leave that to God because I can't do that. There, there's no strength inside of me that is going to be able to love somebody that feels like they're attacking the very existence and fabric of everything I believed in. And I got good news for you. You don't have to do it. You allow Christ through you to love them. You allow Christ, the hope of glory through you. So now suddenly it's like, oh, I don't have to pull this off on my own. This Christian thing is hard. Yeah. If you try to do it on your own, but if you allow Christ to do it through you, if you allow Christ to be loved through you, now you're not having to navigate all of the complicated emotions and all of the things that that get in the way of us truly loving people that don't look like us, think like us, vote like us, all the things like us. We actually can pull this off. That's where I kind of dive into in the Be Love chapter, understanding how much we are loved so that we can love others that way. Okay, your motto is don't stand on issues, walk with people. And I heard you say, or actually in the book, you brought up a point where your wife challenged you on that. You were out to dinner and you saw someone and you're like, and she said, well, Mr. Don't Stand on Issues, Walk with People. What are you going to do about that? Tell us about that. Okay. So just because you, you don't stand on issues, but you walk with people doesn't mean that you're not passionate about issues. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way first. I say that all the time. When people ask me as a public facing figure, Carlos, well, where do you stand on this issue? Where do you stand on this issue? I always respond, I don't stand on issues. I walk with people. Does that mean I don't have opinions on the issue? Absolutely not. I'm very opinionated about a lot of things I feel are important. But what I'm not going to do is make a point for the sake of making a point as opposed to making a relationship for the sake of making a relationship. So that being said, I'm out to dinner with my wife and in came walking. Okay. Now remember, I have been preaching this don't stand on issues, walk with people for years to my Insta familia, to my Instagram followers, to my social media. And in comes walking this man and he sits down uh, with his wife and I, I look at his profile and I think, gosh, that guy looks familiar. And then all of a sudden he turns and I realize when I see his face, this is somebody that I follow on Twitter that I vehemently disagree with on a lot of subject matters, a lot of political matters, a lot of, you know, justice matters, socioeconomic, all of them. Like, I just, I don't see eye to eye with this guy, but not only do I not see eye to eye with him, like he's just really mean, but like, like the way he displays his opinion is not. Uh, Christ-like. It's not in in a way that I would feel comfortable expressing myself. So all that to say, I still do follow him because I like to be informed on all sides of all issues. So that's why I follow him. And my wife's like, so who's that guy? And I was like, I, I really like, I can't stand him. And we disagree completely on, you know, political things, yada, yada. Uh, she's like, oh, really? Does he know who you are? I was like, no, he doesn't know who I am. He's got millions of followers. He doesn't know who I am. She goes, well, you seem pretty like, I mean, my neck was getting red. Like I was, you know, as I was, <laughs> And I was talking about, she's like, you seem pretty worked up about this guy. And I was like, oh yeah, like A, like I just can't believe I'm seeing him face to face. But B, like, it's like, he's just so mean. And she goes, well, I think you need to go pay for his meal. And I was like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, 
don't you say all the time, don't stand on issues, but walk with people. You are Mr. Standing on an issue right now. And I was like, she's right. So this is what I decided to do. I walked over to the gentleman and his wife and I knew that they were new to Nashville uh, because I follow him on Twitter. And I said, hi, my name's Carlos. And immediately his face lit up, you know, and he's like thinking one of his adoring fans is coming up to him and is looking at his wife. I said, I, I don't want to interrupt. I just, I follow you on Twitter. And again, he's smiling. And then I said, um, and actually like, I don't like, we don't really see eye to eye on much of anything. There's a couple things, but not, not really a whole lot. So like, I disagree with most of what you have to say. And immediately like he kind of, his expression changed. And I think he thought he was about to be accosted. He probably is many times in public for being, you know, kind of the person that he is. But I said, but, but listen, like, I just want to let you know that I learn a lot from you. And so, like, thank you for teaching me every single day. Like, I, I do. I learn a lot from you. And I just want to say welcome to town. I know, like, we probably don't vote for the same things. But I just want to say, like, I'm glad you're in Nashville. Welcome to town. Right. So I leave. And his wife is dying laughing at, at this moment. She's looking at me and at him like, and she, she's like, I can't believe that you're, you're coming and saying hi. This is so kind of you. Like, thank you. And I was like, no, I just want to be, you know, I just want to say, hey, like, welcome. So I leave, right? And I go back to my table and like, I'm all like flustered and my wife's smiling. And then I tell the waitress, hey, I want to pay for their, their meal. But don't tell them until after we leave. So well, we pay for the meal. Heather and I leave. We don't tell them. And then on Twitter, this mean guy that I follow just to learn about the opposite side of things. He, on that night on Twitter, he gets on and he goes, Guys, you'll never believe what happened to me tonight. I was at dinner, and this blank voting person <laughs> that doesn't agree with anything that I agree with came up to me and welcomed me to Nashville. And not only that, he paid for my meal. And all I know is his name was Carlos. He didn't tell me his last name. But I just wanted to say, there's still good people out there, even that don't agree with everything you believe. And he just kind of lifted my heart a little bit. And his wife kind of said the same thing on Twitter. Funny thing is, is that immediately, friends of mine that follow him a lot of friends of mine follow him because they follow his ideologies and they believe what he says. Immediately, they they texted me and they're like, is this you? Is this, you're the only person I know that's named Carlos that would have done this. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And so here, here's the thing. I, I mean, Kimberly, that, that's just one example of one time that I'm trying to really live this out. Did me and this person become best friends? No, that's not the point. But the point is he was touched. He went on and probably said the first nice thing that I've seen him say on Twitter the whole time I followed him because he was surprised by my kindness. And goodness gracious, how? what, what if we all did this? What if we all found people that we may massively disagree with and surprise them by our kindness, surprise them by being the hands and feet of Jesus? And you know, the goal isn't to change their mind. I wasn't trying to change his mind about anything. The goal was just to be Jesus. Just to do it. And so that's that story. And yeah, it's a little bit of putting teeth into don't stand on issues, walk with people. So when I say that, it may sound like a bumper sticker or something on a t-shirt, but know that it's not easy. And I understand that, but it's going to take work. And I think that's how we maybe recalibrate and course correct where we're going. Probably all of us have found on some level that the events of the last two years have brought division between friendships, uh, with family members. So what are some other practical tips that you can give us to work on rebuilding those relationships? Well, the first thing I would say is remind yourself of this. Those relationships, maybe one or 1% of them, but 99% of these relationships were not birthed out of the conversation that killed the relationship. So good point. You get, we have to, we have to remind ourselves 
if these relationships weren't birthed and blossomed and lived out because of a point of view, why in the world would we end those relationships over a point of view? We have to remind ourselves of that. So once we are reminded of that, I like to tell people the point of a relationship is not to convince the person you're in a relationship with to believe everything you believe, right? I mean, that, that can't be the point of any relationship. We've gotten to a place in our society where I feel like sometimes we believe that. Like we think I've got to, I got to change this person's mind on something. That's just not unless the the goal is to lead them to an encounter with God himself and Holy Spirit, we're never going to agree with everything. So if that's the case and you've seen fractures in your relationship, take it easy. Don't feel like you got to go in like, okay, we're going to have this deep conversation and we've got to come to some semblance of agreement so that we can continue on. No, but I had a friend of mine. We, we stand on opposite sides of the aisle. We stand on, you know, and, and tensions got tight and we stopped talking and communicating and things got rough. And I realized, you know what? We need to find something. This is very practical. Find something that we can root for together. So you know what I did? I bought us both season tickets to our Nashville Major League Soccer team. And every week, me and my friend, who disagree on a lot of things politically, we come together and sit next to each other and we scream our heads off, cheering for the same team. And we are the biggest Nashville FC soccer fans. And, mo- and can I tell you what, what's happened is... Has he has he started leaning more the direction me or I started leaning more the direction he is? No, absolutely not when it comes to those. But have we started leaning towards each other? Yes. And suddenly the relationship has some handlebars again because we're cheering for the same thing. We're, 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 we found something we can root for together. And I promise you, as crazy as it sounds, every single person that you want to restore a relationship with, there is something you can root for together. You know, on my Instagram constantly, literally my Instagram is proof in the pudding that this can have, that we can root for things together. If you look at my Instagram, you know, it, it's pretty split straight down the middle, politically speaking, which is crazy these days to like find a space where people hang out together like that. But guess what? We do these, uh, we do good for a lot of people and everyone jumps in, everyone joins in. Nobody's asking me before they give a Venmo donation to a stranger. Hey, can you tell me what they believe about this issue first before I donate? No, because we, we found a way to root for something together. So practically speaking, if you're having a hard time in a relationship, find something that you can cheer for together and start doing that. And you're, you're going to watch the relationship begin to heal. I'm speaking with Carlos Whitaker about his latest book, How to Human. Carlos is an author, speaker, and social influencer. He loves Jesus, serves at his local church, and he may have very different views on certain issues than you do. Carlos, in the section on C, let's talk about C bias. What is bias? Do we all have bias? If so, how did we pick up our biases? Yeah, yeah. We all have bias. Every single person listening to this podcast, every single member of my family, myself included, bias is nothing more than creating a story about somebody else that may or may not be true based on your true lived experience. Now, I don't know if you, if you Google bias, if that's what it's going to tell you. That's just what Carlos tells you uh, that it means. And so when I'm talking about bias, that's what I mean. I mean that we all have bias on everything. I mean, you got bi- I have bias on broccoli versus cauliflower, right? Like we've got bias, but when it comes to human bias, we have bias built on lived experience 
from one or two interactions that suddenly spread to an entirety of a group of people. Now, let, let's just go, I mean, let's get uncomfortable. Let's go back to 2020 and let's talk about just biases that we see in general, right? So some people saw bias when it comes to like the conversation of race, people get really touchy when they, when they start saying that they've got bias. Well, how I like to teach this is as I'm a black man that lives in the South, I like to teach about bias by starting with me, how I have bias. Let me tell you about my bias. My bias, okay, and I need all the listeners to hang on. Don't change the station. Don't stop the podcast. Get get to the end of the story with me because I promise it's going to help. I, as my lived experience in the South, have, have had numerous really horrible, traumatic, racist interactions with individuals in the South. All of these individuals have looked like the same person to me. They were all older individuals uh, and they were all older white men that all had either accosted me or again, this is over 10 years, but used horrible profanity at me uh, in a very racist way. So what, what did that do for me? That created a bias, a racial bias in my heart towards older white men. Now, why I say that's bias is because 99.99% of older white men in the South love me and probably would want me over for dinner and all the things. But my bias painted a picture of something that wasn't true. So what I had to do is get over my bias and go find people who I was biased towards and get to learn and be curious about them. And there's there's an Instagram video that went viral on my, on my platform about this neighbor across the street that I painted this exact same bias about. And I just thought the man didn't like me because what I looked like, he never talked to me, all the things. And, you know, sure enough, one day after years of trying to say hi to him and him ignoring me, he walked outside and he started painting one of his, he had these two porcelain bunnies in his front yard uh, and he started painting one of the bunnies black. And this was in the summer of 2020. And I remember thinking, well, that's weird. Why is this old dude painting his bunny black? That's weird. But he only painted one black. He didn't paint the other one black. So he goes back inside his home. And I remember thinking like, why did he do that? you know what, I should go across the street and ask him. And when I said that, it hit me. It hit me that I had actually never walked all the way across the street. Go figure. I had all of this bias against this man and I realized in that moment, I've never walked across the street to even ask him a question. I've just judged him from a distance. So the next time I saw him, I walked across the street and I said, excuse me, my name's Carlos. I live across the street as if he didn't know. And immediately his frown that I'd seen for years on his face turned into the biggest smile. And he goes, hi there, Carlos. My name's James. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. He's smiling at me. And I said, hey, so like, I know I've never walked over here and talked to you, but can I ask you why you painted that bunny black? And he goes, oh, Carlos, with everything that the country's talking about today, this is just kind of my, my way. I, th I thought I'd leave one black and one white. And this is just kind of me saying that I believe that your life matters. And, you know, it's just a small way for me to say this. Kimberly, my jaw hit the floor. Why? Because my bias had kept me from knowing the truth about who he was. And so I, I share that story because James and I have now become best friends. The poor guy just wants to live his best retired life. We go fishing now. We hang out on his porch now. But here is a black man in the South that had bias towards older white gentlemen. And now I sprint towards them. You know, And so not everything has to be about race. Not everything, all of our bias has to be about race. That's just an example of me telling you a story. We can have bias about you know, people of different religions. We can have bias about people that work at certain, you know, in certain establishments. What we've got to do, and I try to help people in the book do, is to see past our bias, to see past that, and to get curious. And curiosity 
breeds empathy and empathy breeds reconciliation. And that's really what I want everybody to get out of understanding that we all have it in our heart. And how is it that maybe, right? Maybe we can see past and walk past that bias. Let's go on to free people. You say seeing people frees people. Yeah. Why is that? Well, if there's one thing that I know that every human on the face of the earth wants, it's to be seen. And if we look at all of the trauma and all of the, actually, let's be honest, violence and, and things that we've seen over the last few years, all that is, in a very complicated way, is people wanting to be seen. And so if, you know, if a kid isn't being seen, they're going to throw a tantrum and they're going to say, and they're, you're going to see them maybe in a way that they don't want to be seen, but they're finally going to be seen. I just think that when we actually see somebody, we have an opportunity as followers of Christ to not just, it could be just seeing them, right? Like when I'm at, at the airport and I see a TSA worker, I make it a rule whenever I travel, every day I travel, if someone has a name tag on, I say their name. And when I say their name, hello, Officer Williams, thank you so much for working in the TSA line today. I mean, they look surprised and they, and I can see that they feel seen. So that's, that's the first step, but freeing people is the next step. And that's the piece that's going to take a little bit of risk, right? Cause now we're going to have to get closer. You can't free somebody unless you can touch the person. So now it's like, Carlos, this is really uncomfortable. I'm a lot closer to this person that I don't agree with about really anything than I really want to be. Well, guess what? The only way that you're going to free them is by getting close. And as followers of Christ, we're called to be his hand and his feet. Get up close. And once you see them up close, now you've got a chance to free them. Watch the look on a young person's face when you walk up to them with the gas station $20 gift certificate and watch how they feel freed. So all it takes is just a little bit of risk and a little bit of intentionality. But that's the goal, right? Be human, see humans, and then free humans. It can be big, it can be little, but we all have the availability and we have the opportunity every day to free somebody else. It sounds like this all boils down to loving God and loving people. And as we do that well, we have the opportunity to share Jesus. Yes, Yes, that I mean, when, when you love God and you love people, people will be attracted to you. People will be will want to know more. People ask me all the time, right? Like I spend a lot of my time talking in corporate settings, right? You know, they're having me come in to give them motivational talks, not to talk about scripture. So I have to keep it non-faith based. So as I'm on these corporate stages in front of these non-Christians and people that don't follow Jesus, and I'm just talking about how to human, inevitably, people come up to my table afterwards in tears. I know that you just gave us some good tips, but there's something else about you. What is it? Like, I I want that. And at that moment, Kimberly, is when I can like go, oh, yeah, you want to know the secret sauce? His name is Jesus. Point. So people are going to be attracted to Bible-believing, blood of the cross, power of the resurrection Christians. And you don't even have to use scripture. Like, like as you're talking and people know because it's flowing out of you, of course, the word of God is living and active. I read it every single day, but I don't have to necessarily stand up with my Bible in a pulpit and preach a message. I can just do it as I'm living and people are desperate and they see it and they're attracted to it. And I believe that's what Jesus did. You know, you see all of these people in scripture. There wasn't even a Bible back then, but Jesus was just living who he was, walking and people that were far from him, wanted more of him because they saw the love that was in him. Love God, love people, and people will come towards you. Well, we've talked about a lot of things and you may have already answered this, but just in case, sum up the main thing you hope readers take from the book. I really hope that readers feel two things. 
A, they feel challenged. Okay, so I, I didn't write a book just so that it could feel good. Uh, this is difficult. How to human isn't something that intrinsically happens in our, you know, just like without without trying or without the work of the cross or the Holy Spirit. So I hope they feel challenged that, you know what, I think I could do this better. And then B, I hope they feel encouraged that it actually is possible, that we can get back to a place where we can view every human being, not as the enemy. Listen, I know it's so easy to, to look at somebody else and say, look, they represent evil, they're the enemy. Can I tell you something? Every human being that's walking the face of the earth is created in the image of God. Therefore, they are not the enemy. They may believe things that have been implanted in them, by the, but they are not the enemy. If we keep telling people they're the enemy, they're never going to come anywhere close to you. So just be reminded that we are to love God and love people and people aren't the enemy. There is a real enemy out there, but know that the people aren't. So go radically love everybody you come across. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, author, speaker, and storyteller, Carlos Whitaker, author of How to Human, Nine Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Russ Ramsey with some thoughts on learning to love art through the eyes of faith. If we really want to go through the world coming to know who God is as best as we can, we won't be able to do that without engaging with beauty um, because he is beautiful. He is, he is glorious. And one of the ways that human beings engage with beauty is through art. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.